Hi, I'm Jonathan Black. My video today is on the multi-jurisdiction grassroots movement that is shining light on Masonic corruption in police departments all over the world. Most recently, a 30-year detective from the Greater Manchester Police Department named Gary Rogers published a book called Undercover Policing and the Secret Societies Within. In it, he outlines decades of corruption and criminal conduct that was covered up by Freemasons in his department. I have linked a video of one of his interviews in the description below. His story outlines what many of us have known and seen for years. The law seems to be different for the members of clandestine fraternal orders. I want to be specific as to why I am seeking to outlaw any cop or judge being involved in any iteration of masonry or clandestine fraternal orders. The reason that I am is because it is abundantly clear that the oaths taken in these secret orders conflict with and, are, and supersede the oath to the community to serve and protect. In the entry-level Master Mason's oath that all Masons have taken, because all Masons have taken the third Master Mason's degree, there is a declaration that says, quote, I will keep a Master Mason's secret inviolable when communicated and received by me as such, end quote. So what that is saying is, if a Mason commits a crime and he tells another Mason who is a cop, by way of the Masonic Oath, the cop has to keep the crime a secret. Here is a line from the Royal Arch Degree of Masonry. Quote, I furthermore promise and swear that I will assist a companion Royal Arch Mason when I see him engaged in any difficulty, and I will espouse his case so far as to extricate him from the same whether he be right or wrong. End quote. There is no way any cop, judge, or lawyer can take this oath without it being in criminal conflict with their job as lawyer, judge, or cop. These oaths are the foundation of corruption in our society. The people in these secret societies have different laws than the rest of us. I'd like to know why Ben Levin, who is the Deputy Minister of Education in the province of Ontario, got less than two years after being convicted of manufacturing child pornography. I'd also like to know why the case was ignored by the Canadian media. Peter Dogleish, who is a, a close personal friend and confidant of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, was convicted and sentenced to seven years for sexually assaulting children in Nepal, but no investigation or media coverage was given to him in Canada. I'd like to know why that is. I believe both of these men were involved in secret societies, and that is why they were given special treatment by the Canadian police and media. Police, judges, and lawyers need to disclose what oaths in clandestine fraternal orders that they have taken, then decide to remain and disavow their oath in the secret society if they want to keep their job. The same should be said for politicians. Thank you for watching. Please like and subscribe. So we're in a, a spiritual battle, as St. As Paul says in Ephesians 6.13, that you fight not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and wickedness in high places. So that's what people have to realize. Now, the main enemy is Freemasonry. Freemasonry claims it tries to make good men better men, and it accepts only men of high moral character, and it's a charitable, benevolent, educational, religious society. They seek to improve the community. But what they fail to tell the people is that masonry has another pur purpose. It's completely unknown to much of the public and many of the masons. 
Manley P. Hall, a 33rd degree Mason, said, quote, Freemasonry is a fraternity within a fraternity, an outer organization concealing an inner brotherhood of the elect. Uh, so there's, you have the invisible societies, a secret fraternity. So there are those who know a secret and those who don't know the secret. Uh, and more than one way, deception is practiced on the initiates of the blue degrees. The blue degrees, as we're going to mention, the first three degrees of Masonry. Uh, he's told that nothing he's about to do will, will conflict with his religious or personal beliefs. But he's led phase by phase through a series of blood oaths, uh, never to reveal the secrets of Freemasonry. Uh, this, these are blood oaths for a secret organization that, uh, as we're going to see, is, is, is diabolical. So the Mason begins his Masonic career with the first three degrees, the three degrees of the Blue Lodge, entered apprentice, fellow craft, and master Mason. If he wishes, he can stop Masonry after he's finished those first three degrees and call himself a Master Mason of the Blue Lodge. If he wishes, he can continue up the York Rite Ladder or the Scottish Rite Ladder. In the York Rite, there are another, another ten degrees in the York Rite, and if he completes those extra ten, he can become what he, and call himself a Knights Templar Mason. And if he goes up uh, the Scottish Rite Ladder, there are another thirty degrees in the Scottish Rite. And uh, basically, once he completes the blue degrees, he can buy the fourth, the 32nd degree, the Scottish Rite, if he has enough money. It's basically that. So many of the individual degrees, the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, the whole initiations, all the things that are said, and those, each of those uh, degrees, some of the Masons that are even 32nd degree Masons haven't gone fully. They're called exemplified degrees. They haven't gone fully through all those degrees because obviously it takes a lot of time. But my, many of the Masons do know what I'm going to say when I reveal some of the initiations of each of the uh, degrees. Uh, the book, Duncan's Ritual of Freemasonry, gives a word-for-word -word transcript of the first three degrees of the Masonic Lodge, the Blue Lodge. In the first degree, the uh, initiate is asked the following question, what do you desire? In the first degree, he answers light. In the second degree, he answers more light. In the third degree, he answers further light. Uh, now, Albert Pike, who's probably the most famous Freemason of all time, he was a Mason who simultaneously occupied three different positions. He was the head of Washington, D.C. Masonry, he was the head of American Masonry, and he was the head of World Masonry. Albert Pike wrote the book Morals and Dogma, it was published in 1871, and is used in all Scottish Rite initiations to explain the craft's philosophy. It's been called the most important book of uh, Freemasonry. It's been called the Bible of Freemasonry. And it's, been, it's given to every uh, fourth degree Mason, uh, this book. And it's also recommended in every issue of the Scottish Rite Journal. Each month it recommends to get and read Morals and Dogma. Uh, Albert Pike says in Morals and Dogma, quote, The Mason is familiar with the doctrine that the supreme being is a center of light. And what is this light that the Masons are talking about? The answer can be found on page 321 of Morals and Dogma by Albert Pike. Quote, Lucifer, the light bearer, Lucifer, the son of the morning, is it he who bears the light? Doubt it not, end quote. And on page 324, he repeats the thought. He says, quote, a devil, the fallen Lucifer, or light bearer. He identifies Lucifer as being the devil. And, of course, uh, you know, St. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 11, 14, the devil will transform himself as an angel of light. So, uh, the New Agers believe the same thing as the Masons. Uh, David Spangler, a leading New Ager, wrote, quote, The light comes from Lucifer. He is the light bearer, end quote. And many people say, many Masons even say, Mason, Freemasonry is not a religion. It's not a religion. It is a religion. Albert Pike said on page 213 of Morals and Dogma, quote, Every Masonic Lodge is a temple of religion. 
and its teachings are instruction in religion, end quote. Some more information from Albert Pike. On July the 14th, 1889, Albert Pike issued formal written instructions to the 23 Supreme Councils of the world. He said, quote, To you, sovereign brand inspectors general, we say this, that you may repeat it to the brethren of the 32nd, 31st, and 30th degree. The Masonic religion should be, by all of us initiates of the high degrees, maintained in the purity of the Luciferian doctrine. Yes, Lucifer is God, and the true and pure religion is the belief in Lucifer, end quote. Uh, on page 276 of the book called Ku Klux Klan by J.C. Lester and Bill Wilson, it says that, quote, General Albert Pike organized the Ku Klux Klan after the Civil War, since he also started the Ku Klux Klan. Uh, to also get a degree that the, the Masons, their leading Masons, believed the light bearer was Lucifer, Manly P. Hall, another leading Freemason, wrote the book The Lost Keys of Freemasonry. Uh, his book is recommended in a reading list of what you should buy your Masonic relatives. And on page 48 of his book, The Lost Keys of Freemasonry, he says this, quote, When the Mason learns the key is the proper application of the dynamo of living power, he has learned the mystery of his craft. The seething energies of Lucifer are in his hands, end quote. So the Masonic writers are telling the Pope they conceal a, a worship of Lucifer from the rest of the Masonic Lodge. It's according to the Masons that Lucifer is the light bearer, and the Mason who figures it out has discovered the secret. So basically that's what we have. They are not only worshippers of Lucifer, but they also are antichrist to such an extent that if a worshipful master of the Masonic Lodge allows prayer to be made in Jesus' name, his lodge can be closed and his charter revoked by the Grand Lodge of the state. Uh, now, uh, this information was taken from a Jeremiah film special uh, where they interviewed former Masons and former people that are involved in witchcraft. And uh, here's some interesting parallels in what these men said separately. They're interviewed in different states and different uh, countries, some were from Canada, some from the United States. Look at the parallels here. In Blue Lodge Masonry, to become a Mason, you have to be recommended by another Mason. In witchcraft, you have to be screened and recommended by someone currently in witchcraft. In masonry, you are blindfolded and bound by a rope. In witchcraft, you are blindfolded, bound by a rope, and led to the edge of the magic circle. In masonry, a sharp object is put to your left breast, and you take a blood oath what to expect if you re reveal any of the secrets of the lodge. In witchcraft, a sword is put to your left breast, and you take a blood oath not to reveal the secrets of witchcraft. In masonry, during the ritual, the blindfold is taken off the candidate, and they tell you that you are in darkness and you're coming into light. In witchcraft, during the ritual, the candidate is challenged by someone at the edge of the magic circle who says, who goes there? And the answer is, one from the world of darkness. In masonry, the masons end their prayers with, so mote it be. In witchcraft, they end their prayers with, so mote it be. Now we're going to look at a few of, uh, we're going to look at the York Rite of Freemasonry, uh, in the York Rite, they claim only Christians can join the York Rite. In particular, what we're going to look at is the Holy <coughs> Royal Arch degree of the York Rite. According to Jim Flanagan and other former Royal Arch Masons, in the opening and closing of every chapter of a meeting, the High Priest asks another Royal Arch Mason, he's called the Companion Captain of the Host, the question, quote, Are you a Royal Arch Mason? And the other Mason responds, I am that I am. This refers, of course, to the time when Moses was approached by God, and God identified himself as I am. And uh, God said that this is my name forever. And of course, our Lord said in John 8.58, he says, I am. 
uh, referring to, they asked him who he was. He said, before Abraham was, I am. Uh, in masonry, they say that the name of God has been lost. In a later degree, in the royal arch degree, the seventh degree, the name that was lost is now found. The men form an arch with their arms and say that God's name is Jabulam, which is the joining of Jehovah, God's name, with the pagan gods Baal and Osiris. And according to the royal arch masons, they call this the grand omnific word. Now we're going to look at the Scottish rite. In particular, now we're going to start with the 17th degree. And this information is taken from Scottish Rite, Masonry Illustrated, Volume 1, pages 453, 456, 457, Eat Cook, published in 1974, just to prove that this is just not something we're making up. Here's what the initiation is. Having completed the initiation, after revealing the password, Jebulon, and the sacred word, Abaddon, the senior warden conducts a candidate to an elevated canopy to the right of all the others present. This is supposed to represent the end of the world, so forth. But what's most fascinating about this degree, the 17th degree, it's a sacred word of the ritual, Abaddon. If you look in your Bible in Revelation chapter 9, verse 11, you'll find out who Abaddon is. He's the angel of the bottomless pit. He's a demon. So the sacred word of the ritual, the 17th degree of Freemasonry, is the name of a demon. So he's invoking a demon. Uh, the Masonic 18th degree is a mockery of the sacrament of the Eucharist. And the 19th degree is called the degree of Grand Pontiff. Another Mason during this ritual anoints the candidate with head, his head with oil and says, quote, Be thou a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, end quote. In the 20th degree, they say, quote, No man has the right to dictate to another in matters of faith or belief. No one can say that he has possession of the truth. In the 28th degree, uh, the symbol, uh, this is for the, the degree Knight of the Serpent, it has a snake biting its tail. And what looks to be a friendly person but you look in, as, as it looks in the reflection here, as you can see, in the water, if you turn around, it's a demon. And that's important because Albert Pike says, quote, that which is above is as that which is below, end quote. In the 30th degree, the, uh, it's called the Knight's Kadosh, the, the ritual reads like this, the Grand Master rises and says, imitate me. He then stabs a skull crowned with a tear representing Pope Clement V. And says, quote, down with imposture, down with crime. Later he stabs a skull surmount with a regal crown, supposed to represent King Philip of France, saying, quote, down with tyranny, down with crime. The master and the candidate then kneel before this, a skull adorned with a laurel wreath, that's supposed to represent Jacques de Malay. And they say, quote, everlasting glory to the immemorial martyr of virtue. In the 30th degree, the initiate repeats both of these, demonstrating his hatred for the Catholic Church in any form of monarchy. So they're against the Church, and they're against the state. Right. Exactly. And wanting to bring down all forms. Of, that's why the monarchies were destroyed in Europe. Yes, absolutely. This is a certificate for a man who completed the 32nd degree of Freemasonry. Notice the words at the top, order out of chaos, which means order out of chaos. Uh, on the 33rd degree Masonic jewel, the Freemason has the same things written here at the top, order at kale. Uh, the House of the Temple in Washington, D.C., which is where Freemasons get uh, receive their 33rd degree. Uh, and you can't seek, if you're a 32nd degree Mason or any type of Mason, you cannot seek to be a 33rd degree Mason. You have to be chosen to be a 33rd degree Mason. But the House of the Temple in Washington, D.C. is where they receive the initiation of the 33rd degree. As you can see right here, the 33rd degree house of the temple in Washington, D.C. has serpents all over the inside. As you can see above, has concealed swastikas above it. 
uh, the 33rd degree house of temple is exactly also 13 blocks north from the White House. Uh, the whole city of Washington, D.C. is laid out masonically. You can see right here, including the pentagram, which is a five-pointed satanic star, comes right down on top of the White House. Uh, now, an expose of the 33rd degree initiation was done by former uh, Mason, 33rd degree Mason, Paul Rosen. It can also be found in uh, Edith Starr Miller's book, Occult Theocracy, on pages 363 and 364. It says on those pages that part of the initiation, they claim that three murders of mankind are law, property, and religion. It says this, quote, Neither law, property, nor religion can be imposed on man as they annihilate him by depriving him of his most precious right. They are assassins on whom we have sworn to wreak vengeance. They are enemies against whom we have declared war to the death. Of these three enemies, it is on religion that we must concentrate our most deadly attacks. Once religion is dead, law and property will fall to our mercy, and we shall be able to regenerate society by founding on the corpses of the assassins of man, Masonic religion, Masonic law, and Masonic property, end quote. According to the Congressional Record of September 9, 1987, it says that no less than 60 members of the House of Representatives are Masons, and about 75 congressmen are Masons. The following senators are 33rd degree Masons. Alan Simpson, Wyoming, Robert Byrd, West Virginia, Strom Thurmond, South Carolina, Lloyd Benson, Tex, Jesse Helms, North Carolina, is claimed to be Jesse Masons. Helms? Yes, right. 33rd degree Freemason. And there are many other senators that are regular Masons, like Grassley from Ohio, Iowa and Specter from Pennsylvania. And uh, 1996 Republican running mates Bob Dole and Jack Kemper, both 33rd degree Freemasons. Another so-called conservative, who many people thought was conservative, is Barry Goldwater. Uh, he's also a 33rd degree Freemason, and uh, this is proven by the this magazine called Royal Archmasonry, Volume 11, Number 8, states right here that Goldwater is a 33rd degree Mason. And there are a number of other congressmen that are Masons, but we don't have time to get into that. Uh, some other notable Freemasons who belong to the black-only Prince Hall Lodge include Supreme Court Justice Thurgood Marshall, who voted uh, pro-abortion on the Roe v. Wade decision, Atlanta Mayor Andrew Young, Detroit Mayor Coleman Young, uh, Los Angeles Mayor Tom Bradley, and Dr. Benjamin Hooks, the NAACP. Now, what's very important is uh, the pentagram is an, an important symbol to Freemasonry. In fact, the the Eastern Star, the Winds Group, their symbol is a pentagram. But many people don't know the difference between a star and a pentagram. But the Masons themselves know the difference, and they tell us what the difference is. In the book called The History of Freemasonry, written in 1891, this book was written by a series of 32nd and 33rd degree Freemasons. On page 49 of the book, it says this, quote, This star represents good when represented with one point upward. And the page reads on, let, let me remind you, these are high-ranking Masons, quote, but when turned with one point down, it represents evil, all that is opposed to the good, pure, and virtuous, end quote. So the star with one point down is evil, and the Masons have it on the cover of this Bible. Eastern star is a pentagram, as I mentioned, is its chief emblem, and it's always been, the pentagram is one of the biggest symbols in, in Satanism, and probably the biggest. And as you can see right here, this is a clothing line right here. It's called the New World Order clothing line. By the way, they also uh, had, as you can see here, first of all, as a pentagram on the guy's uh, uh, side there, 
what's interesting is their, their advertisement, they, they talk about uh, order coming out of chaos for the New World Order clothing line. Uh, the colors, again, are very interesting, black, red, and white, because they're the colors of the Nazi party. And the Masons declare in the writings that the colors of the Royal Arch, the Royal Master Mason degree, are black, red, and white. The Masons have created many groups, such as the Eastern Star, we've mentioned, has a pentagram for the symbol, the Thimole, which is for the young men of Masonic members, the boys. The Job's Daughters are rainbow girls for the young, young girls of the Masons, and Prince Hall Lodges for the blacks. And the Shriners are a special group of Masons made up of 32nd and 33rd degree Scottish Rite Masons and 13th degree or Knights Templar York Rite Masons. The Shriners claim to be a charitable organization, yet the facts prove that isn't the case. Only one-third of the Mason money raised by the Shriners goes to charity. The Shriners also wear red hats called fezes. Interesting story about the Fez, because the Fez comes from uh, Morocco, which is in North Africa. You can look it on your map. Uh, and in the year 800 AD, 50,000 Catholics were slaughtered there by Muslims. And they said the blood ran so thick that the Muslims dipped their hats in the blood, and their hats turned red. And it's been a 1,200-year sign of Muslims' victory over Christians. And it was first commercially sold from Fez, Morocco. And uh, the Shriners were... Fezes. Now, the, sh the Shriners uh, tell us why they wear the Fez. This is in a book in 1977 put out by the sh Sabar Shrine Temple. They say this in the book, quote, The Fez has been handed down through the ages as one of the most significant headdresses. The Fez derives its name from the place where it was first manufactured commercially, the holy city of Fez in Morocco, end quote. Also, during the initiation ceremonies of the Shriners, they, quote, seal their solemn oath in the name of Allah, the God of our fathers. A little later on in the ritual, they, quote, they acknowledge, quote, Islam as the one true faith. And uh, you can ask some guy who claims to be a Catholic or a Christian, that, that how can they do this, you know, that, uh, saying Allah is the one true faith. They also have on their calendar, the Shriners' calendar, the Order of Quetzalcoatl, which is pretty interesting because Quetzalcoatl is the stone serpent which Our Lady of Guadalupe came in Mexico to crush and she converted 8 million to the Catholic faith by means of those apparitions. Uh, some of the papal condemnations against Freemasonry, so people know that Freemasonry has always been condemned by the church. Leo XIII says, quote, let no man think that he may for any reason whatsoever join the Masonic sect if he values his Catholic name and his eternal salvation, end quote. Uh, under the old code of canon law, anyone who joined the Masons was automatically excommunicated. Leo XIII said, quote, to join with these men, Freemasons, or in any way to help them cannot be lawful, end quote. And cooperation between Masons and Catholics could be done only under the strictest of conditions. Leo XIII says, quote, those men are like those whom, according to the St. John the Apostle, hospitality and greeting should be denied, end quote. In all, there are more than 200 documents issued by the Vatican that have condemned Freemasonry. You know, Pope Clement XII in 1730 also began the ipso facto excommunication of the, uh, anyone coming, but he also gave an ipso facto excommunication for anyone who associated with the Masons. Right, exactly. It's, uh, you know, that's, that's the, the severity what we're talking about it's 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 a very it's a it's a big crime people have uh, you know less than that and of course we're going to show a little later that they fully infiltrated the catholic church too 
So now some of the Masonic statements against the Catholic Church, because you have a, a lot of Masons and others say, well, they're not anti-Catholic, and many Masons don't know this. But, you know, this all gets back to our, the main root of our problem. Most people don't know what we're talking about here. And, and of course, Hosea 4, 6 in the Old Testament says, my people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. So uh, because they don't know, is, is not going to help them too much. They're, they're still uh, going to be held accountable because it's still evil. Uh, some Masonic statements against the church. Uh, the Masons used to call their official magazine the New Age magazine, but when the New Age movement got a lot of bad uh, publicity, they changed the name of their magazine to the Scottish Rite Journal because of all the negative things being said about the New Age movement. It's the official magazine of the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry, and it says in, in the Scottish Rite Journal, quote, Catholicism, not communism or socialism, is Masonry's immediate worry. The French Grand Orient gave utterance to the following profession of faith in 1885. It said, quote, We Masons must aim for the complete destruction of Catholicism. A chief in that Masonic Alta Vendita Lodge proclaimed, quote, Let us conspire only against Rome, end quote. In the stone inscription of the Masonic Grand Orient and Supreme Council of France, it says this, quote, The fight taking place between Catholicism and Freemasonry is a fight to the very death, ceaseless and merciless. So, and what most people say is if you want to destroy the church, and if you're against the church, and you believe that the church is the true church that Jesus Christ established, why not infiltrate it? And they have infiltrated it. This is a copy of the May 8, 1991 edition of Mount Washington Press, a paper near Cincinnati, Ohio. It talks about how the Archdiocese of Cincinnati, Ohio, sends all possible candidates for the priesthood to Joseph Wicker. Joseph Wicker is a worshipful master of Mount Washington Masonic Lodge, number 642 in Mount Washington, Ohio. That means that he's the president of the Masonic Lodge in his hometown. Mr. Wicker says that he no longer considers himself a practicing Roman Catholic, but practices what he calls Rosicrucian experiments. The Rosicrucians are a Masonic-like group that says everything should be guided by the use of reason. They've been officially condemned by the Catholic Church, and Mr. Wicker also says he believes in reincarnation. So Archbishop Polarczyk of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati, Ohio, has a Freemason screen all the candidates for the priesthood. Many people say then, well, obviously the church looks to be infiltrated, and, and uh, the communists also tell us that this is the case too, that, that they were, were told by Moscow to infiltrate the Catholic Church. Mr. Manny Johnson, a former official in the Communist Party in America, gave the following testimony in 1953 to the House Un-American Activities Committee. He said, quote, The Communists discovered that the destruction of religion could proceed much faster through the infiltration of the Catholic Church by Communists operating within the Catholic Church itself, end quote. Mrs. Bella Dodd, who spent most of her life in the Communist Party of America and was Attorney General designate had the party won the White House, after her defection from the Communist Party, she revealed that one of her jobs as a Communist was to encourage young radicals into the priesthood. And she said that before she left the party in the United States that she encouraged more than a thousand young radicals to infiltrate the seminaries and religious orders of the Catholic Church. And she said back then they had risen to the highest places in the church. And so this is why you don't have any call to conversion, you have no exposure to Masons. And what I'm saying should be said by almost every priest in the United States and throughout the world. It's not said because these people are either direct infiltrators or they just don't care anymore. It's a complete apathy as far as uh, uh, the true faith. This is an interesting uh, picture we have here. This is a grade 6 catechism. It's given to grade, uh, sixth graders across the country. And uh, you can see right here 
the little dots, the dark dots on this. Uh, this is the opening page, as you can see. This is Christ. This is Christ with us. And you have these dark dots all over the page. And of course, the communists are trying to achieve victory over the church. And, and uh, you can see the dark dots. What's interesting is you line those dark dots up, and what do you get? Looks like a hammer and a sickle. Communist hammer and sickle. So what they were saying was that they've now achieved victory over the church, and uh, at least they think that. And uh, we know if there's there's just even a small group with one true priest that upholds the one true faith. That's what Saint Athanasius did. Even if the true remnant was reduced to a handful of true believers, and say one true priest that believed in the true Catholic faith, they remain the true church of Jesus Christ on earth. So, And he said back then, St. Athanasius, during the Arian crisis, that we have the faith, they have the buildings. So there's a definite link between Freemasonry and communist philosophical thought patterns. Yeah, yes, exactly. And uh, we're going to see now is, this is according to the book, uh, book by Dr. James Wardner, Unholy Alliances, he says that Mr. Jim Shaw, former 33rd degree Mason who left Masonic Lodge, says that when he became a 33rd degree Mason, when he was initiated in Washington, D.C., the House of the Temple, he, uh, there was someone there, uh, an internationally prominent evangelist, was there to uh, help him through his initiation and present there, who was none, none other than Billy Graham. So, one of the biggest uh, evangelists, you know, Bible... Uh, Preaching uh, religious figures, Protestant figures, is a Freemason. Well, according to that book, that's that's what it says. So uh, that's that's what he put in the book. That's what he claims Jim Shaw said that, who was there. So that's interesting. Uh, another person who I hope he's if he is a Mason, uh, he's come out of the lodge. Uh, but Pat Robertson, there's there's a Masonic symbol called the lion's paw. It's like this, and. Uh, that's a Masonic symbol. And Pat Robertson, this is the cover of the Time Magazine, February 17, 1986 issue, he's given what looks to be the Masonic sign called the Lion's Paw. Uh, Pat Robertson also, in his book, The Millennium, has a point within a circle at the, virtually every page of the book. And a point within the circle is definite occultic language for sun worship, and it was also chosen for the symbol of Illuminati. David Yallop, in his book, In God's Name, an investigation of the murder of Pope John Paul I, he builds a case that the P2 Masons were involved in the murder of John Paul I, who served 33 days. We'll see a little later in the tape how significant and important the number 33 is to the Masons. Yalop says that the P2 Masons have interlocks with the Mafia. Maybe that's because both groups have the same founder, Giuseppe Mazzini. And Mazzini said, quote, Our final end is that of Voltaire and the French Revolution, the destruction forever of Catholicism, end quote. Some other churches, such as uh, the Church of Mormon, Joseph Smith, the founder of the Church of Mormon, was murdered by the Masons on June 27, 1844. The reason why is because Joseph Smith, who was a Mason, revealed the secrets of the Masonic Lodge in the Temple Endowment Ceremony. It's a ceremony in the Mormon Church, and they have the aprons on now still, and so forth. They're very similar to Freemasonry. The Masons also use a Masonic timetable system. They don't use A.D., they use AL. Uh, AL is their, their standard of uh, calendar system. Uh, it means Anno Lucis, and that means in the year of light. It could also be interpreted to mean in the year of Lucifer. 
So 4000 BC would be 0 AL, and 2000 AD will be 6000 AL, or 6000 years since Lucifer was cast from heaven. And that system lines up because this is a picture of a Distinguished Achievement Medal awarded to Seafred Kleinek, the current Sovereign Grand Commander of Freemasonry, on May Day, 5990 AL, which is 1990 AD. And you can also find AL at the on the cornerstone uh, and at, at the engraved date of any cornerstone laid by the Masons. And I just mentioned May Day on that coin. May Day is very important for the Masons. We'll find out a little later why. The Masons definitely believe in symbology and numerology, and they have a fascination with the number 33. I believe they had major events happen on the 33rd degree latitude of the men. Masonic Encyclopedia says that Charleston, South Carolina, was selected as the first home of the Council of the 33rd degree Masonic Lodge. And Charleston, South Carolina is right under the 33rd degree latitude of the map. Other major events that have happened on the 33rd degree latitude, it's where the first nuclear bomb was dropped, uh, tested, Trinity Site, New Mexico. And the monument chosen to commemorate this site was an obelisk, which is a Masonic symbol, a phallic symbol. The 33rd degree latitude also passes over both Hiroshima and Nagasaki in Japan. These sites were the place where the first two bombs, atomic bombs, were dropped at the end of World War II. It's a known fact of history that we didn't have to drop the bombs because Japan was trying to surrender, but the bombs were dropped anyway. And these two cities were where the two largest population of Catholics were. The man who dropped these bombs on these Catholics was 33rd degree Freemason Harry Truman. Truman was a 32nd degree Mason when he dropped the bombs in October of 1945. He became a 33rd degree Mason. And Truman said, quote, Although I hold the highest civil honor in the world, I have always regarded my rank and title as a past Grand Master of the Masons as the greatest honor that has ever come to me, end quote. But the most astonishing incident that has occurred on a 33rd degree latitude of the map is it passes over the city of Dallas, Texas, where on November the 22nd, 1963, JFK was assassinated. In Dealey Plaza? Where the president was shot. The president passed an obelisk that is located right in front of the school book depository on the street, Elm Street, where the president was shot. There's a small plaque, which has always been on that obelisk, saying this, quote, Within this small park was built the first fraternal lodge in the state of Texas. So the park in which JFK was shot was the place where the first Masonic Lodge was established in Texas. Now, there are two views of history. There's an accidental view of history, which people believe that there's no plan when events, major events, come about. There's nobody plotting or planning to bring about something when some major events happen. And then there's the uh, planned view of history, the conspiratorial view of history, uh, that people plan to have certain things happen to bring about something. And obviously, uh, it's very clear, I think, that it's, that history has been guided uh, by the planned view of history, that people have definitely planned to bring about something. And in fact, FDR, Franklin Roosevelt, said if anything happens in politics, you can bet it was, it was planned that way. The Oklahoma bombing, as well as Waco, happened on April 19th. According to the Satanic calendar of high days, April 19th inaugurates a period of blood sacrifice to the beast, culminating on May 1st each year. May 1st is called May Day to the Communists. And May 1st is the day when the Illuminati was started and why there is always a large military celebration in Russia 
uh, going back to Freemasonry, modern Freemasonry is given its name by Joseph Levy on August 25, 1716, and approved on June 24, 1717, by the first official Freemasonic Lodge. They chose Masonry because it would act as a thick veil over the secret origin of their foundation. But what we know as Freemasonry came most recently from the Order of the Knights Templar movement in the 1300s. Actually came before that, in the year 43 AD, from a group called the Mysterious Force. That's actually where Freemasonry came from. And this following information is, is from a book called The Origin of Masonry. The Mysterious Force was established in 43 AD, and it started when a counselor to King Herod Agrippa came to him and complained that the followers of Jesus had a mysterious force, and that they should establish their own mysterious force to combat this Christian mysterious force. And this, the purpose of this group was to attack the teachings of Jesus and in order to preserve Judaism. King Herod Agrippius said, quote, We will use the hammer because it was used to nail Jesus' hands and feet. Every session will be opened open by striking the hammer three times, end quote. And you notice that judges have a hammer to bring order to the court. King Herod Agrippius said, quote, We will make degrees. These will be 33, symbolizing the age of the imposture. And on November the 43 AD, the first official session was held in the first temple of Jerusalem, which was a basement in the palace of King Herod Agrippia. The meeting of the mysterious force was always held in the temple. That was the name, the temple. And in 1717, modern Freemasonry changed it to the name of Lodge. To prove that Masonry is of Jewish origin, we'll hear the following quotes. The rabbi Isaac Weiss wrote in 1855, quote, Masonry is a Jewish institution whose history, degrees, assignments, signs, and explanations are of Jewish nature from beginning to end, end quote. The Jewish historian Bernard Lazare wrote, quote, It is evident that there are only Jews and Kabbalistic Jews in Masonry's origin, end quote. And finally, Theodore Herzl, the founder of Zionism in 1897 in Switzerland, said, quote, Masonic lodges are established all over the world to offer us help to achieve our independence. Those pigs and non-Jewish Masons will never understand the final objects of Masonry, end quote. So they're just useful idiots. That's it. That's exactly what's happening. Now, to find out what Jews believe in, then, we have to go to what they regard as their authority in religion. The Jewish Encyclopedia, Volume 12, we read, quote, For the majority of Jews, the Talmud is still the supreme authority in religion, end quote. So, and the Talmud is the written uh, word of the oral tradition of the Pharisees. Universal Jewish Encyclopedia, page 637, says, quote, The ultimate authority for orthodoxy is the Babylonian Talmud, end quote. And the Jews have embraced the Talmud for 20 centuries. Uh, now, some of the things that are in the Talmud, we're going to repeat just a few of them. I'm not saying all Jews know what's in the Talmud, or all Jews support what's in the Talmud, what I'm about to state. But nevertheless, it's there, and we have to repeat what's and expose what's, what's in the Talmud. In the Talmud, the Catholic Holy Day is called the Day of Evil. A Christian church is called a House of Evil. It is permitted for Christians to be defrauded and deceived. All Christians, including the best of them, should be killed. So these are just some of the things. that We don't have time to go through all the anti-Christ parts of the Talmud. It's unbelievable what they, what's in that book. Now, the Jewish Encyclopedia gives a person a definite view of perhaps hundreds of rabbinic statements on subjects, giving, giving accurate summaries of what the Talmud generally teaches. Page 619 of the Jewish Encyclopedia, Gentiles are not called men, but barbarians. Page 172 of the Jewish Encyclopedia, it says that Christ is in hell, punished with boiling hot excrement. And uh, this is what we have here. 
And uh, basically, the uh, Talmudic Jews are the main force bringing about, the main power, there are many tentacles of this arm, uh, many, but the main power is uh, the Talmudic uh, Jews are bringing about this Antichrist kingdom. Uh, also in the Jewish Encyclopedia, there's no criticism of socialism or communism. And there, in fact, they say that they're instrumental in founding and making socialism flourish. In fact, Jewish international bankers finance the Russian Revolution. And uh, now we want to look at some... And in Russia itself, you talk, you talk about the people leaving Russia before, say, the 1980s and Glasnost and Perestroika. Fifteen years of hard labor was considered a light sentence for a Gentile caught trying to escape uh, Russia. That was before the 1980s. In Israel, now let's take Israel, uh, under Israel's present anti-missionary law, 5738 passed on December 25, 1977, if a Christian is caught giving a New Testament, Testament to an Israeli, he may face a jail term of up to five years. Notice the date on that law, December 25, Christmas. Uh, now let's take a few Jewish publications from the 20s and the 30s to find out what the Jews really believe. Okay, we're going to go back to prove that we're not just bringing up some current-day wild, wacko uh, Jewish publications. March 15, 1923, issue of Jewish World stated, quote, fundamentally, Judaism is anti-Christian, end quote. So you have a link between Judaism, Freemasonry, and communism as all going against the Catholic Church. Absolutely. No question about it. In the New York Jewish National Day, December 14, 1935, it says, quote, The public schools must be clear of Christmas carols and other Christmas influence. We want all this Christmas propaganda stopped, end quote. We read in the New York Jewish paper Freeheit on January 10, 1937, quote, According to the Jewish religion, the Pope is the enemy of the Jewish people by the very fact that he is head of the Catholic Church. The Jewish religion is opposed to Christianity and to the Catholic Church in particular, end quote. And they also have uh, watchdog groups like the ADL. They were caught out in San Francisco spying on the people and so forth. Uh, so uh, we don't do them any charity by saying they're, they're doing a great job. And, and this is ridiculous. They've rejected Jesus Christ. And our Lord says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's why they don't worship the one true God. And that was very clear by what our Lord said to them in John chapter 8, where he said, if Abraham were your, God were your father, you would receive me. But God is not your father. Your father is the devil, John 8, 44. So uh, they don't worship the one true God. A, you know, this is ridiculous. Uh, so we have to hope, and it's my chair. I have no hatred. It's not based on emotion. This is facts. I'm bringing this very clear what I'm stating here. And I, I truly wish for the conversion of all of Jewish people to the one true faith. I wish for eternal life for all of them. But uh, they have to be exposed to what they're doing and how they're attacking the one true church and God himself, the true God, and helping bring about this antichrist kingdom in the world. Uh, that's what's happening. You know, and uh, basically this gets back to the prophecy of Isaiah. He said, and, and Isaiah says, Woe to that sinful nation of people loaded with iniquity, a wicked seed, and gracious children. They have forsaken the Lord. They have blasphemed the Holy One of Israel. When you stretch forth your hands, I will turn away my eyes from you. When you multiply prayer, I will not hear for your hands are filled with blood, Isaiah 1, 4, 15. And this, of course, refers to the, in the New Testament, Matthew 27, 25, where the Jews said, let his blood be upon us and, and our children. So uh, that's, that's what we have now. Uh, but they are definitely coming to power, there's no question about it. And uh, also, if you look on products now, to show the, the amount of power that they're getting. 
Uh, you'll see many your, almost all your products. Uh, the letter U, the letter U on your product stands for the Union of Orthodox Rabbis, and the K you'll see on many of uh, your products stands for kosher. And uh, this is basically a, a food tax. It's put on companies. From what I've read and been told, uh, these companies have to pay for these symbols to be put on their products, and if they don't put them on their products, they'll be boycotted. And it's like hundreds of millions of dollars each year the, the uh, rabbis take in uh, from this. It's unbelievable. So um, they can't even use their products in the distribution chain without putting the U and K. Well, I don't know if they absolutely have to have it, but all I'm saying is that from what I've read and seen, they'll be boycotted if they don't do that. You know. Right. And, uh, now, going back to what all this Freemasonry is, is rooted in, it's rooted in the Jewish Kabbalah. The Kabbalah is the Hebrew word for received tradition. The Jewish Kabbalah is a medieval Jewish book of occult philosophy and magic based on mystical interpretations of the Old Testament. The Kabbalah is important with, an, uh, with magicians, sorcerers, witches, Satanists, as well as Masonic philosophers. And all the things that I just mentioned that are rooted, talked about Freemasonry, gets back and is rooted in the Jewish Kabbalah. The book Morals and Dogma has 65 pages dealing with the Kabbalah. Page 741 of Morals and Dogma says this, quote, Mason raises search for light. That search leads directly back to the Kabbalah, end quote. Page 770 has a picture of the Kabbalah. Pike also said, quote, all the Masonic organization's secrets and symbols are borrowed from the Kabbalah. So the importance, what I'm saying is I've shown throughout this video that their main attack has been against the Catholic Church. And people have to do the right thing in these critical times because the time is running out. While many groups and governments wish to censor the Internet, Israel and its partisans are among the most globally significant. They work to promote the Israel narrative while blocking facts about Palestine, the Israel lobby, and other subjects they wish to cover up. Much of this is done by devoted individuals acting independently, voluntarily, and relentlessly. But many of these activists are part of orchestrated, well-funded projects sponsored by the Israeli government and other pro-Israel groups. They utilize Israeli soldiers, students, American teens and seniors, and range from infiltrating Wikipedia to influencing YouTube. As we'll see, some even operate out of Jewish community centers in the U.S. One such group is the Israeli military's new media desk. It is well known nowadays that what happens on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube has great influence on events as they occur on the ground. The Internet, too, is a battleground. It is thus comforting to learn that the IDF employs soldiers who tweet, share, like, and more. Another project initiated in 2011 by the National Union of Israeli Students has the stated goal to deepen and expand Hasbara, or state propaganda activities, of students in the state of Israel. Under this program, Israeli students are paid to, quote, lead the battle against hostile websites. The students are tasked with what many would call shilling or trolling in online forums and social media. They're directed to create original content in the form of news reports and blogs, edit Wikipedia, inject pro-Israel messages into discussions on social media, as well as to report and remove what they consider to be allegedly anti-Semitic content. It's important to note that criticism of Israel is not the same thing as anti-Semitism, despite Israel's best efforts to redefine the word. Anti-Zionism is the new anti-Semitism.
Anti-Zionism is anti-history, anti-humanity, and anti-Semitic. It's pure anti-Semitism. Let's use our power on social media to educate our society. Now, interestingly, this charity, the International Holocaust Remembrance Association, has also given a number of examples of what sort of behaviour should be called out alongside this, which are actions which seek to stereotype Jewish people, to justify attacking or killing them, claiming that the state of Israel is a racist endeavour or comparing it to Nazi Germany. When there is dissent expressed in the United States against policies of the Israeli government, um, uh, people here are called anti-Semitic. Uh, what is your response to that as an Israeli Jew? Well, it's a trick. We always use it. When from Europe somebody is criticizing Israel, then we bring up the Holocaust. When in this country people are criticizing Israel, then they are anti-Semitic. Now, I know what they do because I used to ask them to do it. I mean, when I was in the Mossad and we had a guy that gave us problems in the U.S. and he was speaking out and he was talking like, like Pete talked once and said, Israel is bombing Lebanon with cluster bombs. We say, hey, who's that guy? You know? And of course the campaign starts and before you know it, the guy's leaving. And he's an anti-Semite because that's what we say he is. Another pro-Israel organization that targets public information on the internet is CAMERA, the Committee for Accuracy in Middle East Reporting in America. A 2008 expose revealed a CAMERA initiative to infiltrate Wikipedia in order to rewrite Palestinian history, pass off crude propaganda as fact, and take over Wikipedia administrative structures to ensure these changes go either undetected or unchallenged. Leaked emails from CAMERA called for volunteers to secretly work on editing Wikipedia entries. They were instructed to, quote, avoid for obvious reasons picking a username that marks you as pro-Israel or that lets people know your real name. The emails emphasized that volunteers were to avoid editing Israel-related articles for a short period of time after signing up as editors to avoid arousing suspicion and to always log in because if you make changes while not logged in, Wikipedia will record your computer's IP address. In 2010, two Israeli groups began offering community workshops on Zionist editing of Wikipedia entries with the aim of making sure that information in the online encyclopedia reflects the worldview of Zionist groups. Moetzet Yesha, in conjunction with My Israel, uh, has arranged an instruction day for wiki editors. The goal of the day is to um, teach people how to edit in Wikipedia, which is the number one source of information today in the world. As a way of example, if someone searches the Gaza flotilla, we want to be there. We want to be the guys who influence what is written there, how it's written, and to ensure that it's balanced and uh, Zionist in the nature. And again in 2013, there was evidence of pro-Israel tampering with Wikipedia when an employee of an Israeli institute called NGO Monitor edited articles about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict in an allegedly biased manner. According to the Israeli newspaper Haaretz, Dreiman concealed the facts that he was an employee of NGO Monitor and that he was using a second username which is forbidden under Wikipedia's rules. In 2017, yet another Israeli project was launched with the intention of controlling discourse and promoting a pro-Israel narrative online. Known as ActIL, the project uses a software application that leverages the power of communities to support Israel through organized online activity. 
The software is a joint venture of Israel's IDC University, the Israeli American Council, and another American group called the Maccabee Task Force, which was created to combat the international boycott of Israel over its human rights abuses, which it terms an anti-Semitic movement. The project is also supported by Israel's Strategic Affairs Ministry and Israel's intelligence community. Its CEO is an eight-year veteran of Israeli army intelligence named Yarden Ben Yosef. Israeli media Ynet News reports that the Israeli military has begun scouring Jewish communities abroad for young computer prodigies to recruit for its ranks. In operations pillar of defense and protective edge, we set up the first advocacy situation rooms here at IDC. We operated together with hundreds of volunteers who work around the clock for Israel on social media networks. Through the operations, we realized that when many people work together, it is effective. This understanding led IAC and IDC to partner and found ACTAEL, the online community for Israel. Jewish news site The Forward calls ACTIL a new entry into the online propaganda war that has thousands of mostly U.S.-based volunteers who can be directed from Israel into a social media swarm. Its work so far offers a startling glimpse of how it could shape the online conversations about Israel without ever showing its hand. The Forward article reports that the project recruits Jewish teens and adults and sometimes operates out of local Jewish community centers. They are referred to as media rooms, and there are at least five of them planned or active in the United States, including one in Boston, two in New Jersey, and one opening soon in New York. After being given ACT-IL advocacy training, the volunteers are instructed to complete missions, which are assigned from a headquarters in Herzliya, Israel. The Forward reports that in November, the Boston Media Room created a mission for the app that asked users to email a Boston-area church to complain about a screening there of a documentary that is critical of Israel. The proposed text of the email likened the screening of the film to a white supremacist riot. In reality, the film, Occupation of the American Mind, investigates Israel's PR war in the U.S. and was promoted by respected American progressives, including Democracy Now!'s Amy Goodman. We hear over and over again that the conflict comes down to Palestinian terrorism and Israeli security. If rockets fly on your head, you're allowed to defend yourself. And what gets pushed out of the frame entirely is the fact now that for almost 50 years, Palestinians have been systematically dispossessed from their land and denied their most basic human rights. They have been able to effectively defend the indefensible to the American public. The Israeli government is involved in numerous internet projects. Director General of Israel's Ministry of Strategic Affairs, Sima Vaknin Gil, told a forum of Israeli tech developers to flood the internet with pro-Israel propaganda. When she was Israel's chief censor, she said, We censor information that is critical to our enemies, who have no capabilities like us, do not have a Jewish brain, and therefore our enemy relies to a large extent on open information. Her ministry has a budget of roughly $70 million to fight what it calls a war on consciousness terrorism. To win it, she said, Israel must use tricks and craftiness. Another Israeli entity that plays a role in covert internet activity is the Israeli military's legendary high-tech spy branch, Unit 8200. This unit is composed of thousands of cyber warriors, primarily 18 to 21 years of age, some even younger. An article in the Jewish Press reports that Unit 8200 has developed a great reputation for effectiveness in intelligence gathering, including operating a massive global spy network. 
Numerous Israeli tech companies, many of them headed by former military intelligence officers, assist in these online spying efforts, sometimes receiving Israeli government funding for digital initiatives aimed at gathering intelligence on activist groups and countering their efforts. To be clear, this is all part of an effort by an occupying government and its military working covertly to achieve censorship of reporting on its atrocities. Major internet companies have reportedly been cooperating with Israel. In 2015, Israel's deputy foreign minister visited Silicon Valley and met with YouTube's CEO and Google's director of public policy. Afterwards, Israeli media reported that it was agreed that the companies would strengthen ties with the foreign ministry and build a regular mechanism of control to prevent the distribution of these incendiary materials on the network. Google is not the only tech company with close ties to Israel. For example, Facebook's head of policy in Israel, Jordana Cutler, had previously been employed for many years by the Israeli government. In 2016, Fortune magazine reported that Facebook, Google, and YouTube are complying with up to 95% of Israeli requests to delete content that the government says incites Palestinian violence. Among other things, Google said it would increase the number of members of its Trusted Flagger program, which enables certain organizations and government agencies to report content. It also said it would increase support for NGOs and organizations working to present a corrective voice. One such trusted flagger is the Anti-Defamation League, commonly known as the ADL, whose mission includes standing up for Israel. The ADL considers criticism of Israel to be anti-Semitism. The ADL has created something it calls the Online Hate Index, aimed at recognizing what it considers hate speech and targeting it for censorship. By combining artificial intelligence and machine learning with social science, the Online Hate Index will ultimately uncover and identify trends and patterns in hate speech across different platforms. A leaked secret January 2017 ADL strategy paper detailed how to counter the pro-Palestine movement. Among its many strategies were some focused on the importance of efforts in cyberspace. The paper called for a mix of policy advocacy and industry engagement with corporations such as Google, Facebook, and Twitter in a manner consistent with the ADL Center for Technology and Society and its anti-cyber-hate working group. The detailed 32-page document reported that in recent years, a massive investment of resources and talent had been directed against the pro-Palestine movement. One of the results, the paper said, was to create a worldwide pro-Israel network. It was this network that the report sought to mobilize. On March 13th, at the 2018 South by Southwest Music Festival, YouTube CEO Susan Wojcicki revealed that the company has just hired an additional 10,000 people to help review content flagged for removal. She also talked about a new feature that will soon be added to the platform. When there are videos that have, that are, that are focused around something that's a conspiracy, um, and we're using a list of well-known internet conspiracies from Wikipedia that we will show as a companion unit next to the video information from Wikipedia showing that uh, here is information from Wikipedia about this event. So YouTube will be sending people to text. We will be providing a companion union of text. Considering what we now know about the efforts of the Israeli government and pro-Israel organizations to edit Wikipedia and essentially rewrite history in their favor, can we expect this kind of companion unit to show up next to our videos? Will our channel be taken down again like it was recently for five days? Only time will tell.
With so many people working to keep this kind of information from getting out, we never know when we'll be censored again. If you'd like to be notified when we publish new content, please sign up for our mailing list and subscribe to us. Disinformation agents, shills, trolls, online um, warriors, I guess, that try to influence your opinion and manipulate how you think about things. So um, the National Union of Israeli Students, that is one of the groups that engages in these online influence operations. So it hires university students and graduates who have military experience in Jewish intelligence services, Mossad, for example. And they hire these students to post pro-Israel messages on social media platforms to combat calls to boycott Israel, so the BDS movement, Boycott, Divest, and Sanction Israel. And these people often work in groups and or ships. So these internet warfare squads are meant to operate surreptitiously. You're not supposed to know about them. Oops, cats out of the bag, rats out of the bag. And the people who are hired, these students, are cautioned about being identified as Jews or of being in the pay of the government. And they try to convince uh, the audience that they are just regular old Joes. So they try to act like they don't have a dog in the fight or an axe to grind. And so there is an, a Hezbollah handbook <clears throat> that is used to promote Israel on college campuses. This is a 131-page operating manual for Jewish university students in the United States to take control of the narrative on anything that relates to Israel or the Jews. And its aim is to influence public opinion. So the entire Hasbara University document instructs Jewish students to manipulate, distort, and even lie to hide Israel's crimes and to control the agenda and manipulate the narrative to serve Jewish ends. The manual teaches Jewish students how to lie and manipulate Goyan opinion. It is based on several principles, among them are taking control of the narrative to control not only the topic, but the content and direction of any discussion relating to the Jews or their main areas of concern, such as abortion, which is a Jewish sacrament, transvestism, homosexuality, pornography, gambling, uh, wars, etc., so the primary preemptive strike is to take the initiative and set the agenda to determine what the Goyim are permitted to talk about and discuss. And as you know, you it is taboo to name the Jew. So you're not supposed to talk about Jews. So 
So the National Union of Israeli Students, they monitor all social media channels, including Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and other websites to attack content they don't like and post positive, often false, comments about Jews in Israel. There is a Wikipedia team responsible for writing uh, new entries and translating them into all languages where Wikipedia operates, updating information while tracking and preventing bias. So the manual states anti-Jewish sentiment must be exposed and vigorously defended against. Legitimate criticism of Israel or the Jews is motivated by anti-Semitism and people who just like Jews. So propaganda is used by those who want to communicate in ways that engage the emotions and downplay rationality in an attempt to promote a certain message. They believe that lying, manipulation, and exploitation are acceptable. Jews have developed tactics to control public opinion and to pull the wires that control the public mind, as Edward Bernays was so fond of saying. These are used in the comment threads on online articles or videos. So from the handbook, it says, people believe the first thing they hear about an issue and filter subsequent information based on that belief. Once they believe something, it is hard to convince them that they were wrong in the first place. <clears throat> and that reminds me of a Mark Twain quote that I put in Plastic Manga. He said, it is easier to fool people than to convince them that they have been fooled. And for some people, it matters not how much proof you present. They are just going to believe what they want to believe. They don't care. So, <clears throat> so the purpose of presenting the first uh, viewpoint on, on a topic is to have the public mind accept the desired narrative. And this means feeding it to the public prior to any real facts have become known. When the truth begins to escape later, as it always does, doubts will emerge, but it will be difficult for most people to change their minds, having already accepted the first story as true. <clears throat> so the intent of the fake phony history is to put those thoughts into the public mind first, the ones that they want you to believe, so that the, the public will be less likely to believe the truth the truth when it finally emerges later in its full form. So this is the reason that the mass media fed us this fake phony story about 9-11 the next morning, consisting mostly of facts no one could possibly have known at that stage. So there's one, excuse me, there was one man who was um, interviewed shortly after 9-11, and he was obviously a plant because he's saying, oh, when the planes hit the towers, it, the jet fuel, it, it was so hot, it melted the steel beams, and that's what brought the building down. And he just came off as completely fake and phony, and he was trying to push that narrative. And how could he have possibly known that at that stage? So that's just one example. And so they also try to manufacture consensus because people are happy to be part of the crowd 
So the Houses of Laura students are, um, are, are counseled to try to leave the impression that almost everyone thinks as you do. So exaggerate the volume of support for your position. And this is one reason why you see these trolls working in groups. Uh, these group attacks in the comment threads or on online articles, um, you will see these Hasbara shows swarm and attack. They join forces to denigrate the author or trash the inconvenient truth because they want you to think that there's more support for their position than there really is. But you will often see these usernames in the attacks. They are new, so they, they just created them and just for attacking this particular article or author. And there is no prior comment history. And sometimes the uh, one of the Hasbara trolls will register numerous usernames and post under each of them to create the illusion that a lot of people agree with them. So they manipulate um, the feeling of consensus for their particular belief or the agenda that they are pushing. So Jewish commentators, uh, they engage in swarm attacks on other commentators and they are mouthy and provocative to drive away the good readers and the good commenters and they will also insult people to scare them off and to not to um, encourage them not to comment because they don't want to be insulted. So when Jews are afraid that the unpleasant truth of their history might become public knowledge, um, there will always be Jewish authors to leap into the breach to counter that information. Okay, so for example, when the truth began to emerge that Easter Island was depopulated due to Jewish slave traders hunting workers for their guano mines in Peru, this uh, Jewish professor at the University of California named Jared Diamond, he was there ready with a new book claiming that the Easter Islanders uh, engaged in civil wars and unfortunately killed each other off and even ate each other. And that's why Easter Island was depopulated. It had nothing to do with the Jewish slave traders. So if an author is considered unsympathetic to Jewry or to Israel, and they express any negative thought toward the Jews, Khazarians, or Israel, well, that constitutes anti-Semitism or Jew hatred. And now anti-Semitism is equated with Jew hatred. Okay. <clears throat> so the Hasbara trolls are there to be, are the first ones there to post uh, comments about this, to be sure to denigrate the author. And the reason they do this is to shape the new reader's opinion of the article or the author. And these comments, they're more effective if they are at the top of the comment thread. So they, these shows, they keep an eye out for newly posted videos or articles that concern the Jews.
and they will be the first ones to post. So they are um, advised to always try to avoid debate by turning criticism of Israel or the Jews into an attack on the opposition. They, uh, they try to narrow the attack or the discussion to an attack of the person and suggest that persons anti-Semitic or supports terrorism or cannot be trusted or um, they try to claim other things to discredit that person. And so they will attach labels such as anti-Semite or Nazi or white supremacist or whatever they can think of. And they do this to use intimidation and fear tactics to silence their opposition because people are afraid of dire consequences that can arise due to this targeting. And I just posted a video recently about the Canary Mission website. So look for that video. So in many situations, the facts do not support the Jewish position or their desired narrative. So when they are attacking these topics, Hezbara members are strictly cautioned against debating the facts presented by the author but are instead encouraged to engage in ad hominem attacks, shifting the agenda from the core issue to the character or reputation of the author. So this is meant to prevent an examination of the writer's position. So if you attack the author without addressing the author's claims, then this is meant to discourage other readers from agreeing with the author, right? And so they will write hit pieces against um, certain people or certain um, beliefs and theories. So the name-calling technique, the ad hominem attacks, this links a person or an idea to a negative symbol. So creating negative connotations by name-calling is done to try to get the audience to reject a person or idea on the basis of negative associations. And this does not allow a real examination of that person's ideas. So you can see that things like patriotism or traditional family values are being associated with white supremacy or racism and the founding fathers are they're being labeled as racist or slaveholders or really anything they can use to discredit um, the traditional American value system because the communists are trying to overthrow our system and impose the Jew world order. But that's a little bit beyond the scope of this video. <clears throat> so they use any ugly names they can think of to denigrate the appoint opponent. So neo-Nazi, anti-Semite, uh, terrorist, criminal, anything like that. And they admit themselves that calling people anti-Semites is a trick that they always use. And guess what? It's not working anymore. So there's another strategy called point scoring, and that involves 
attacking the opponent by undermining their position. Okay. So for this strategy, it's necessary to disguise um, by giving the impression of honest debate. So they'll say things like, oh, that's an interesting point, but it's not really the right question. This appears to address what was said or what's being discussed, but actually ignores what the person said and reframes the discussion. So when a topic unfavorable to Jews is exposed to discussion or debate, the standard Hasbara tactic is to flood the conversation with irrelevant BS comments. So the flood of irrelevant content, it serves to confuse the readers, other people, and divert attention away from the core issues. So, for example, the COVID-19 nonsense pandemic, scandemic, BS is an example. Okay. So you would see many Jewish columnists and reporters and people in the media um, proving that lockdowns are either useful or a crime against humanity, that masks will either prevent infection or starve you of oxygen and make your children brain dead, or the virus originated in bats or pangolins or snakes or at Fort Detrick or in the Wuhan bioweapons lab or caves in Sichuan, and then it was unleashed or it was accidentally... Um, released or on purpose to start a war or that PhDs were selling the diseased animals on the street. Most people will throw up their hands in disgust and walk away because they're convinced that they will never know the truth of the matter and that is the point. So you make it like so confusing and so many different theories that most people just get sick of it. And I can see this is a big problem in one of my favorite conspiracy theories dealing with Paul McCartney, his death, the replacement. And there are all sorts of crazy theories out there and it's just meant to distract from what, you know, in my opinion, really happened to him. But again, beyond the scope of this video. So another kind of flooding in the comment thread involves anti-Semitic comments. So sometimes the Hasbara trolls will hit an article or video with hateful anti-Jewish comments that, and ones that even encourage violence against Jews. And they do this for two reasons. One, they use the tactic as a kind of a barometer to <clears throat> judge the extent of antipathy toward Jews to see if other people agree or not. Okay. But other times, they will carpet bomb the comment thread with these anti-Semitic comments. And then they use it to denounce the author as being anti-Semitic and to discourage others from reading or watching the content. And they will use it to push for deplatforming. So this is like when Jews go and they, you know, scratch swastikas on their own, you know, dormitory door or something and pretend to be victims of hate crimes. There's also <clears throat> a fake narrative or philosophies that they will 
try to push, right? So one fake philosophy is the narrative created surrounding the anti-Semites questioning Israel's right to exist. Okay, so it's not really, that's not really the point, right? So most people would agree that most people have the right to a homeland or a country. A nation of people have a right to a homeland. The issue, though, is where where you put that homeland. Do you have the right to take somebody else's land and claim it for your own and occupy it using military force, such as in Palestine? Do the Jews have the right to take over Palestine? There, excuse me, there are people already living there. And they are occupying it by military force. And they're, they are engaging in a slow process of extermination to eliminate Palestinians from their own land. So, do Jews have a right to do that? No, I don't think so. And especially since most are from Khazaria anyway. And had never even don't have even any contact to Palestine. So finally, Hazbar explains when not to engage. So they say don't fight if you can't win. And we see this in online common threads where Hazbar troll will make false claims about something that often furthers the Jewish agenda narrative. But then if those claims are countered by someone who's more knowledgeable, the Jewish commenter will often just disappear. So they are told to walk away when you encounter anyone more experienced or well-versed. And never engage if you can't control the terms and agenda of the debate because you can't win. And so when they engage in a topic or, you know, on a dis- in a discussion, they give it a sense of legitimacy. So never engage on a topic you don't want consider legitimate. Examples would be the fact that the Russian Bolsheviks were almost all Jews, and they were responsible for the gulags and tens of millions of deaths and um, inconceivable torture. So I did videos on. Uh, Yagoda and Felix Zerzinski, who are both red terrorists. So check out those videos. They also don't want to discuss the fact that opium in China was entirely a Jewish business. And don't engage on the topic of Jewish crimes because your participation helps to make the topic more legitimate. So a lot of people are commenting on how this um, new movie, 2000 Mules, exposes how the 2020 election was stolen from Trump. So basically it was a coup. But the media won't talk about it because they don't want to give it legitimacy. And they don't want other people to um, be exposed to that information. They're trying to keep it hush. Hush, hush. But with the internet, it's pretty much impossible to keep the information um, hidden for long. The truth will out. So I wanted to do this video because uh, the disinformation trolls have been a problem for a long time. You know, I countered them on the forums 
years ago. And uh, they're annoying, but we don't have to let them use our videos and articles for for their platform. We don't have to give them a platform. And I don't allow shilling on my content. So, you know, you can do what you want, but I don't think it really helps the cause to allow these people to um, come in and influence other people with their BS. So anyway, I will have another video for you soon. Thank you for watching. Please like and share and have a great day the rest of your day.